0: Welcome to the Tax Alpha Solutions Podcast, hosted by Matt Chansey. Matt is a tax consultant, author, and certified financial planner with almost two decades helping his clients grow their net worth. On the show, Matt brings together an array of specialists to share with you their experience and success along with strategies of the 1%. Matt Chancy is with Coastal One, member FINRA SIPC. And now, here's your host, Matt Chansey. So, good morning, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. So, today on the podcast, we have Cody Miller. Cody is the COO of Menlo Group Commercial Real Estate based in Phoenix, Arizona. He's going to talk today a little bit about the firm that he's with, and he has an interesting backstory. Before he ended up in the commercial real estate space, he was actually with Intel. So, how many people go from a big tech company uh, to commercial real estate? So, uh, it'll be interesting to hear how he made that choice and those decisions. So, Cody, thanks for having us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Glad you could be yeah. here. So, you know, interesting, like when I was reading your backstory to kind of see how you got to where you're at, like, you know, not everybody can say they've worked for a big tech company or, you know, chip manufacturer like it was with Intel. So explain kind of a little bit of well, what you did there and then how you started making that transition into your, the role that you ultimately decided you wanted to play in commercial real estate.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I I left grad school with kind of an, an overall goal. I wanted to to work in a big corporate environment for about five to seven years, learn a lot there, kind of get my feet grounded, and then eventually move. You know, save enough money that I could go out buy a business or, you know, transition to a smaller business. And so that was always my plan and my goal. And so at Intel, I I worked in uh, several different areas of the business. It was an interesting business because it's so big. We could go from, you know, I started in a in a purchasing group. We managed capital asset purchasing. I moved into a finance group that did all the financial forecasts for new products. It was a fun, it was, you know, the corporate world, you know, was not really my thing. It was, I really like to work hard. I have a construction background as a kid, so I just like to work hard. And so I kind of hit a wall. I was about five years in at Intel. Um, and I just, I was ready to do something different. And so Menlo Group, the two original founders are, are good friends of mine. So I've been in touch with them for a long time. I've done a lot of, you know, residential, you know, buy and flip and, and things as I was in the corporate world, just as as side projects. And so Always had an interest, again, having the construction background. I'm always interested in, in physical assets. I understand them well. I, I understand how they work, the mechanics of how they work. I understand the financial piece of it. So that's why it's always been an interest for me. And so it was just a good timing of they needed you know somebody to come in and run the operations. One of the partners is phasing out. And then they wanted to purchase a property management business. And so I came in as a partner for that. So it kind of satisfied those goals I had of, you know, leaving the corporate world, purchasing something. So I led that acquisition and then also, you know, managing a, a smaller business. It, I I just like it. It's more fun for me. It's more dynamic. It's, it's harder work, right? You, you live and die by the work that you do sure. a lot more than you do in the corporate world. So But I like that. I like the hard work aspect and the reward from from that. So kind of that was a transition over here. Again, the real estate world's been interesting to me since I was young in the construction world. I like the commercial world. It's very professional. It's very. um, And so it's just an interesting environment. So it was the opportunity, I think, number one. And it satisfied some of the goals I had. So, yeah, very different very, very different than, than uh, Intel. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, you know, when you're with a bigger company, sometimes you get to learn and experience things with guardrails on it because it's a big company. Yeah. You by yourself probably can't run it off of the tracks, right? Correct. But in a small business environment, you make some wrong decisions and you could run the thing off of the tracks, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I made one bad hire maybe six months ago, right? And it's been painful where before, you know, I managed a team of 12 people at Intel and you had one or two bad people and, you know, yeah, it doesn't affect that much. But one bad hire was has been really, really tough, you know, created a, some conflict within the team. And it's been, you know, tough to manage through. So, absolutely.
0: Well, hopefully they see this podcast and they know who they are and they self-select out.
1: <laughs> they already selected out. <laughs> they were not self-selected out. They were. <laughs>
0: There's there's always a soft landing somewhere. (laughs) That's funny you bring up construction as a kid. You know, my my stepdad was a building contractor and I was roofing houses when I was 14 because I was big enough to throw plywood on a roof. So I get it. And I realized that I needed to stay in school a while to be more on the academic side of it because that part was really hard. (laughs) It's
1: exactly the same. I did framing and roofing as a teenager. So, yep.
0: Absolutely understand that. So very interesting that you had friends that you had known for a while that had owned the Menlo business, right? The Menlo commercial real estate. So let's talk a little bit about the Menlo business. Like, what is? I know you're in commercial real estate. Are there asset classes that you specialize in over others? Are there geographic areas where you guys specialize in? Are you more buy-side? Are you more sell-side? Let's kind of walk down that path. Uh,
1: So we are uh, we focus, I mean, we're in Phoenix. We focus in the Metro Phoenix and Arizona, you know, generally. Our main focus is actually like professional office, medical, dental, and vet practices and buildings. So it's kind of an interesting little niche, you know, kind of mm-hmm. smaller, single tenant, professional office space. That's where we spend a lot of time. Uh, we're split. We've got our agents are probably half buy side and half sell sides. We've got half of them are, you know, landlord reps or um, owner reps, and then the other half focus on, you know, tenant reps and and leasing. So we're split down the middle with those two, but yeah, primarily um, most of our work is done in that professional office space. Um, And so it just, it started that way. just kind of as a fluke, right. Tanner that started Menlo group had a lot of friends who were in the dental world. And so he was helping them, you know, either lease buildings or buy buildings as they came out of school and and we just stuck in there. So it was a niche we've had and uh, it's been really fun. It's unique. You know, not a lot of people are kind of focused in that area. And so, yeah, so we've done that. We do um, we've started quite a bit of the reason we brought in the property management piece is um, we started doing a bunch of sale leasebacks to you know professional people. They just kind of a strategy for them to, you know, as they come through school, they get on their feet and you know, we're just kind of growing with these clients we've had for a long time, right? Get them in, get them in a building or something. Now they're several years down the road, they're established a little bit better. They can restructure some of their debt, you know, coming out of school and all these things are tough for some of these dentists or vets or people that have, you know, had a lot of school overhead debt. And so we've done, you know, kind of a lot of sale lease backs. We own some of the properties, you know, other people, other investors we know will own the property. And and so that's been a strategy we've taken to help some of the dentists, you know, build their business or or grow their businesses to, you know, suck some of the equity out of the, the properties that they've been in for, you know, 10 years or so. And then sure. use that to either restructure debt, you know purchase a different building, those type of things. And so we brought the property management piece on to help you know a lot of these investors or ourselves manage the buildings, right because now the tenants are you know the professional people, they may own it themselves if they move into a new building. But again, like you said before that sometimes it's a one one-time transaction for people mm-hmm. or very few and far between and the real estate world in general is, is you know, confusing for them. They may be very good and skilled at what they do. And so that's really kind of been our focus is to help them just do their practice, do what they do well, and then you know develop an ecosystem around them to facilitate their buildings.
0: Sure. That makes sense. And and I've that niche is very interesting because I know people in the MA world that focus on only selling dental practices and those, you yep. know, those single tenanted uh you know professional services business i guess you would say right yeah. um i know people that do that in the MA space but i have never actually encountered someone that does that specifically in the in the real estate world so yeah. that is and then back ending the property management component with the sale lease back function so to you know unlease that that trapped equity potentially in the deal so they can use it in their business it's interesting yeah. I have not heard that so that's yeah. that's definitely a unique niche yeah yeah, yeah. Very interesting there. So, you know, I guess the question is then let's take that a little farther because that is so unique. Talk, because I don't think the average person is going to understand the sale lease back and why someone, if I, so I'm a dentist, I own a building, right? Why would I ever want to sell that building to you and then lease that building back from you? Explain that to somebody so that they can wrap their mind around the concept.
1: Yeah, so it's, you know, it again, part of it, it varies by, you know, there's a lot of financial components to this. So this is one part of the real estate, the commercial real estate world that interests me coming from, you know, a finance type background is there's a lot of, you know, financial decision based on it. So in the sale leaseback world, right, we're looking just, you know, at somebody's practice at somebody's debt structure, at where they are in a building ownership, right? How much equity potentially is within that building. And again, if I'm, you know, like you said, if I'm a dentist, I do dental work very well, right? But I may be loaded with a bunch of debt, school debt, practice debt, right? If I've got to go in and build out a space, you know, bring on a bunch of of additional debt, if I can grow in that space, and right now it's been popular for several years because the value of real estate's come up in the last you know 10 years, but they can sell it, right? Yes, their lease payment will be higher than you know their original their debt payment on the property. But they, you know, as a professional person, they can use that money. So they'll sell the building, right? Maybe they take a million bucks out of it or two million bucks out of it, whatever they get out of it. They can either restructure their debt, use that money to pay down their debt, right? So they reduce, some of them have pretty high interest on some of that debt they carry. So they'll we just help them with the finances of, you know, what's your interest on your debt, right? Now, can you, even if your you know lease payment is higher on the property, right, is that going to, it's just a cost benefit thing of, Okay, is that, can, is that additional cost less than, you know, if you shrink down the cost of your debt? So we do that also for some that don't have, you know, that don't need to restructure debt, then they've got money to then grow or, or expand their practice. That's the other big piece, right? If I can, you know, a lot of dentists now, a common thing is to have one or two, you know, have multiple locations, so sure. run them, you know, a few times a week, they'll bundle and really group you know appointments and things into a concentrated few days and then they try to have more than one office to reach different clientele and so that's the other piece is okay you can pull this money and now use this money to go and build out another space and you know expand the business so that's the other piece that that enables them to do that where some can't do it for a long time because you know they can't acquire even more debt or anything to go and build another practice that just you know lenders won't you know they won't lend to a certain extent and so sure yeah it's just a, a strategy that, that we've used that, you know to help them if they want to to do that and some just don't want another piece is some just don't want their building that's the other thing right it's like well I want to practice dentistry and then you know the plumbing explodes and they get sick of that stuff. And so it's, if I can just offload it, just focus on the core of what I'm good at. Some just like to do that to simplify their life down.
0: Sure. Sure. And that would be a reason why some people wouldn't necessarily refinance the asset and take some of the cash out of it that way. Right. Yep. It's like, I don't want to deal with, I'm the tenant, but I don't want to deal with the toilets and tenants and trash of this whole thing. I want to shift that responsibility to somebody else. Yep. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, makes sense. So how do you tell your story? And so I had a couple of questions. So the right. assets that the, that the smaller professional services, are they purpose built many times? Are you guys doing the development side of those assets where you're building it to specifically be that thing? Or are they older, maybe real estate assets that were potentially repurposed and repositioned to be that dental office or that physician's office or whatever <clears throat> it is, right? Yeah. But
1: most of them are purpose built out of the box.
0: Okay. So,
1: yeah, it's a big lift to get them, you know, outfitted correctly. You know, there's specific plumbing and different things. It's tough to retrofit. So most of them are purpose-built, either structures themselves or it's a tenant improvement in, you know, existing office condo or office complex where they, but it is, it's fully built out specifically for a dental practice or, you know, vet practice.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure there are certain industry specs and things yeah. that have to be met for every one of those whether it's a improvement plan or it's a new build it's got to check all these boxes if Correct. I'm going to be a vet or if I'm going to be a yep. dentist right that little sink that you spit in when they're sticking the thing in your mouth like I don't even know what that thing's called yep. but you know it's, it's, <laughs> it's I'm sure it doesn't you know uh, assemble and put itself together just like a normal sink that would be bolted into yep. the wall I'm sure there's a different cleaning yeah. apparatus that has uh, yep. the and then
1: you've got you know Most people have been to the dentist. You know, you've got air, right? So you've got compressed air lines. You've got refined water that comes in the little water jets. All that stuff has to be plumbed with certain plumbing and certain, you know, specifications and certain areas. So yeah, they're all very specifically purpose built.
0: Sure. So I can see some of the opportunities in being very specific in the vertical, the way that you're built, right? When people find out that you do what you do and they're a vet or a dentist, they're like, Hey, I want to talk to that person. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe there's some other benefits that I'm unaware of that I'm just not seeing, but what are some of the obstacles that are also presented by that very narrow vertical as well? Like, does it, do you have to turn, do you turn business away sometimes because it doesn't fit exactly what you're looking for? Or are you guys all Always open to the idea of a vertical that's just maybe the next one over, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's just close enough to what you're doing that you're like, hey, we can we can take that on.
1: Yeah, we have. So we've got let's see, twelve agents. Probably eight of them are in the medical, dental, vet world, right? The others we've got an industrial broker. Um, we've got a guy that does hotel and multifamily. You know, they're not the really the core focus, but there's enough business now. That, you know, as we've been established for a while, that stuff cascades off. But yes, there is, you know, for example, we manage a bunch of of like uh, retail strip centers, but we don't lease them. We don't represent the owners on the leasing. We're not good at it. Right. And it's I mean, it's it's right there for us to sit and say, hey, you know, we manage this stuff. But it's it would be a disservice to you to have us do it because we're just not in the retail leasing space. Right. Sure. So there is, yeah, there is business that comes now that we just turned down. And I and that's part of kind of our our core focus. That the reason I wanted to come to Menlo is, you know, they're very they're known really well in the industry. I mean, that's the good and bad of like focusing in kind of that medical vet dental sure. world. They are known really well, but so they have a very strong reputation. So that's what I like, right? The super strong reputation. But with that comes, you know, kind of a um, a responsibility. I think of, yeah, if you call and, hey, I've got this, you know, this retail center I want you to sell for me. And it's like, I, you know, I'd love to just say, yeah, I'll take the assignment and go sell it. But we sit there and say, it's not what we do, right? Somebody else is much better at that industry understands it. So that is a downfall, right? We do turn business down.
0: No, but in effect it's not because it's a positive because it allows you to do more of what you're good at with your core client, right? Correct. So, and good on you for recognizing that, right? I tell people yeah. all the time in a business, sometimes it's like a rose bush, right? You got to trim the you got to trim it back a yeah. little bit for it to really grow, right? Yeah. And if you want to grow in the verticals that you have expertise in, like you have to cut some of those other things yeah. and not do it because you can't absorb your bandwidth with it, right? Absolutely. Sure. So how do you get out and tell your story? How do more dentists, how do more vets, how do more small medical practitioners learn? Are you guys at the national conferences? Like, are you like, how do you get the word out about your area of expertise? Because it's hyper niche.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of dental conferences we attend, we participate in. The other way that we've done is many of the agents that we've hired come from the equipment Manufacturing sales groups, so that's where. So, there's a company called Patterson Dental, it's very big, like a nationwide business. Some of the advisors we have have come from there, and there's you know, Patterson has a vet side, and so we, you know, a couple of advisors have come from there, and so it's that we've just you know, we host lunch and learns, we host things for people at the office, we've got kind of a fun you know, industrial type office with a big, you know, lunch conference area. So We've got, we bring a lot of people in and just a lot of education by right? a lot of teaching. Again, to your point of which so many people don't understand. Sure. So, but yeah, we've embedded really heavily in those, those equipment manufacturing kind of supply networks, sales networks. And that's, you know, cause those guys are in front of dentists all the time. And so we go, you know, we attend a lot of their conferences, a lot of dental conferences, vet conferences. And, and so, and now, you know, over after it's been about 14 years, it's just, it's gained a lot of traction. And so, you know, if you ask a dentist in Phoenix, I can, they'll tell you that they, you know, they've been exposed to Menlo somewhere.
0: Sure. So, sure that super interesting. I call that kind of a... um Uh, An opportunity arbitrage, right? Or relationship arbitrage, right? So you see that in the pharmaceutical space a lot. They'll find somebody that sold a drug to a group of doctors and they'll go, hey, we need to penetrate those doctors. We have a better drug. Let's go find somebody that already knows all those people. It's the same philosophy, right? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. They built those relationships on somebody else's dime. And now, you know, you're out there leveraging, you know, those, those years of relationship building.
1: Yeah. And a lot of them will have, they've done, done, you know, very good success in that, you know, in that sales world, they may hit a wall after, you know, 15 years or so. And, you know, they're at a perfect age where they're, you know, mid forties ish. And it's like, man, I'm, I'm, Done really well, but I've hit a wall. I just need something different, right? I've sold the same equipment for 10 years. And so it's great. It's a good opportunity for them to move over, try something different, and then, yeah, for us to arbitrage on that and and just leverage it. So it's been great.
0: Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Very, very interesting. So you guys are right now in the, in the Phoenix metro area and stuff. So are there plans to like, obviously that's a very unique model. I'm sure it scales and it works in a lot of other cities that probably don't have that level of expertise there. So are there plans for you guys to scale this to other MSAs? And if so, where are you guys looking to go next? Where's, where's the opportunity?
1: Yeah. So we, we are, we, um, Our philosophy is the right person, the right seat. And so it really, we're just looking, right? We, before um, the pandemic shut down, we were almost ready to go to Utah. We had two dental sales reps in Utah that wanted to move over, started that structure. And then it didn't, you know, things shut down. We didn't end up going there. There's a guy in, Chicago, that's a lead sales rep for a big uh, dental supply company there that we've been talking to for, for several months. So we don't have a plan to go anywhere specifically. It's just we're, we're the main things we're trying to find the people again through that network. Mm-hmm. We're trying to find the person or the, the few people in a market that we can then take our core, right? We've we've developed a core of the transaction with transaction managers and a very clear process for, to help the dentist, you know, educate themselves and learn through the transaction. So we've developed, we've got a bunch of internal technology and stuff we use to to speed through the transactions. So we've got that core and now it's just transplanting it to support the right person in
0: another market. So,
1: yeah, we are looking, that's part of my job. (laughs) but we just um we just haven't found the person
0: yet. Sure. That's a super interesting answer to a growth strategy, right? It's not yeah. about what market we want to be in, it's about what market can we find the right human capital to build yep. our business around in that market. Like okay. Yeah. That's not normally the way that you would hear something like that answered. Normally it's yeah. like, oh, we see the demand and the supply and demand in yeah. this particular marketplace. We want to go there and we're going to figure it out. And you guys are like, no, when the right person shows up in the right market, we can piggyback our business yeah. off of their relationships.
1: That's exactly I mean, in the commercial real estate world, that's a big piece of it. Right. I mean, it it's not a high-tech industry, right? I mean, we do we've we've leveraged a lot in our in our practice. Right. we do highly automated stuff, and that's what helps. We've got really productive advisors, you know. With 12 advisors, we've I think mean, eight of them have been in the top 25 in Phoenix for the last seven years. But yes, it is it's unique because it is so relationship oriented. No matter how much we can build this really awesome machine, that's what we've learned. It just doesn't work unless you have the network to tap into. And so. Yeah, it is. A, and there's, you know, there's dentists everywhere. There's vets everywhere. So yeah, it's not really where it's like the best. That's not as as relevant to us.
0: Right? Yeah. That's interesting. You just don't hear that all the time when somebody lays out a growth plan, right? Like when we yeah. find the right person, we'll build the apparatus behind them to support them, right? Yeah. So that's super interesting there. Yeah. Um, very unique niche. You just don't hear that all the time. Like I, you know, that's so hyper-focused, yeah. but I think in today's world of, you know, more marketing and more noise and more clutter and everything out there, when you can clearly define the people you serve and how you uniquely yeah. serve them by defining that, like, I, I think you guys have done a great great thing, you know, yeah. um, explaining the way that, that that potentially works for you guys. Yeah. So how has COVID um, affected the business in positive or negative ways and potentially the, the build out structure of the real estate that you're having, Is there special things that you've had to do to help deal with the COVID, the, the adaptation of it? Have those increased costs? Like, Kind of maybe talk about that stuff a little yeah. bit.
1: I mean, the good, the, the lucky thing for us is the professional office world has not been impacted very much. So that's been a, a plus for us, right? A lot of these big office, I mean, primarily big office and retail have, have struggled, sure. but right, people still go to the dentist. You can't do a virtual dental visit, right? You can't do a virtual vet visit for your animal. So in that world, it, it has not shaken that very much. We've, uh, in Phoenix, you know, it's it's just, ex- the growth has been explosive over the last couple of years. People, you know, have moved here, to work remotely, you know, it's been rated as like a great place to work remotely. So the growth has been incredible. So we've, the last two years have been our strongest years ever. So that's been interesting because where a lot of things have, have slowed and settled, mm-hmm. it's it has not. So, and I, the other part too is we, you know, using, we've got kind of a younger crowd of, of people that work for me. And so we are, you know, pretty tech focused. So we shut down the office, a couple of people moved to Utah, a lot of people work from home and it's, there's no issue at all. Yeah, so that's be- been... Yeah. Very interesting. And the advantage of, you know, so much digital transaction work and and automated software that that didn't impact us. So that was really good. Um, It, again, the one thing that does is it's a relationship game. And so it's, you know, people for a while, you know, kind of hesitant on, uh, do I want to meet? I don't want to meet. They don't want to move forward. And so there has been some apprehension there, but it hasn't really impacted us that much which has been a huge blessing
0: yeah yeah well look you guys are in a segment of the market professional services medical services i can't get my dog treated on a zoom Right? That's exactly I, it. I can't get yep. my teeth fixed on a Zoom, right? Yep. So you've picked industries that, yes, they need physical real estate so that their customers can come see them, and they have to be within a certain geographic, you know, yep. region of of where their customers are, right? So yep. uh, if anything, maybe there's been it's been easier to find potential real estate because of yep. the other businesses that haven't been as durable to get through a COVID has created more opportunities for. Uh, Real estate that you could reposition to be this yep. medical office space, right? So Correct. Of,
1: Yeah, we have yeah. done that. for A lot of investors have come in and we've done that, yeah.
0: Yeah, could absolutely be an opportunity there for you. Yep. Yeah, to to pick up stuff that you couldn't otherwise get into or might have been more expensive before, right? Yep. Now they're exactly. like, hey, we need, we need a tenant. <laughs> we need yep. somebody in this thing. Yeah.
1: And it's, you know, it's been good for our customers because the landlord is much more apt. I mean, they'll, you know, a dentist will do a really big, really long lease, right? Because they're going to invest, but they'll try to negotiate a big chunk of money for a TI, right? Right. Where landlord is pretty hesitant. My gosh, right? I mean, the default rate for a dentist is super low. And so it's, you know, known in the industry, they're great tenants to have because they're going to spend all this money to build it out. Nobody else can just come in and use it other than another dentist or another vet. And but then, you know, but then these these owners are a little bit apprehensive because it's like, man, they're asking for, you know, 200,000 bucks to do TI. I mean, they'll sign a 15 year lease and they're probably good for it. Right. They only have to do three or four things a month to pay for this loan or to pay for this lease. So they're probably fine on the lease terms, but my word, they want a lot of money. And so now it's, hey, if they'll get in there, great. So that's been favorable for the customers to, you know, for landlords to be more flexible.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's it's been a good market environment to grow your business and grow your footprint. More real estate available. uh, Owners of real estate more open to potentially repositioning the asset and spending the money. And TI for our customers that don't know our our listeners today, tenant improvements, right? Oh yeah, sorry. No, you're fine. I do. I catch. We all have our own nomenclature, right? And I pick up. I know what you mean. But when you're leasing out a new building and you're going to sign a long-term lease, if you need that real estate customized out. To look and feel like to support your business specifically, something like dentist or vet, you're going to have to have medical apparatuses and whatnot. Yeah, a tenant improvement cost is normally borne by the landlord, right? Yep. You know, and so, but then they build that into the lease so that they recoup it over payments over time, right? Yeah, that's it. So,
1: and there's been, you know, just just overall growth in Phoenix, so that's been helpful too, right? Yeah. And with that strategy we have of the dentist opening another office, right? It's much easier for them to go and get another office set up and you know in a in a new area of town or where there's growth. So that's where a lot of sell leaseback back has come in where they've been able to then grow and serve another, you know, group of people with you know, there have just been tremendous growth of people here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well they've been California you your Phoenix, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, I
1: laugh, but yeah, there's, and I don't blame them, right? I mean, it's, it's not right. terribly expensive to live here. It's close to people that, you know, maybe their family back in California. And I don't blame them, but yeah, there is a little bit of California, in my like Arizona that I'm not too fond of, but you know, I yeah. like people here.
0: Yeah. Well, it's happening in Texas and you know, they're New York and our Florida. So we, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we get, we Absolutely. get it. We get it. We understand that, you know, the, the migration is real, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think some of the good things about the migration per se is it tends to be the people that are portable, right? So it does tend to be your business owners, your higher wage owners, the people that are going to create opportunities, which yeah. which is good, you know, um, for being in these geographic areas and having an influx of, of, of people that are going to help push the economy forward. Yeah, absolutely. So. Good stuff. Well, hey, Cody, tell me if there's anything that you want to talk about or questions or things that I didn't think to ask about your business, like throw it out there. What should I, what, because I'm a novice. I don't know what I don't know. So you tell me, you tell me what I should have asked or what I don't know. And if I hit it pretty good and we covered some good topics, then great. Tell people how to find you and how to best work with you. Yeah. I think the only,
1: the part that's a little bit new to Menlo over the last two years is we've, you know, we've brought in again, the property management piece, and we've also have a project management group to just manage the full life cycle of these. So we've, you know, we've got a lot of customers, a lot of dentists, a lot of professional, you know, office people that, and have uh, done a lot of transactions with them, but they're, you know, we've lost a lot of, can you manage this tenant improvement project for me? Can you manage this build out? Can you manage the construction of this building? Mm-hmm. Because they trust us. We have a good reputation and so until a couple of years ago, the answer has always been no, but we've got again somebody from the dental sales world that understands the equipment, understands the layout, the design. He manages the construction management uh, consulting little division. And then we, you know, and then for these other people, a lot of investors coming in and buying these, you know, sale lease back type scenarios. And and so we, you know, we've been missing out on, you know, I live in florida i live in new york can you you know manage these five buildings for me i don't know anything about them i just want to own them Yep. and so we brought that in house so it's been really fun to to service like a full life cycle of a customer so that's something that's that's starting to be you know very helpful for us is to, sure. to nurture that person all the way through uh, their ownership and and everything of, of the building so that's been you know that's a little bit unique um Not everybody has that all in house, but that's something we've tried to do. Again, we're heavy on just educating the the client, helping him see it's, it is terrifying. You're laying a lot of money on the line, but we spend a lot of time educating. So, yeah, so we're, um, that's Menlo. So we're here. Yeah. We're just outside of Phoenix and Tempe. Our website's menlocre.com for commercial real estate. And, uh, Yeah, so we're here. We, you know, we can do transactions in all 50 states. We go through a national network. So again, yeah, specializing, dental, vet, professional office, you know, build out, sale, sale, lease back,
0: um, just all of that. So very nice. That's us. (laughs) Like, look, the hardest part in any business is finding the first customer, right? Yeah. So when you realize that you have expertise and you can add value in ways that your customers ask for, there's no reason to like only do one thing. Like yep. if you can do other things and add value and make that customer's life better and they're willing to pay you for it, that's good business, right? Yep. Um, because people are not trying to find new relationships because it's hard to know who to trust out yep. there, right? Exactly. Um, so it's been, I think that over the past few years, there's been a massive flight to quantity and there's been a flight away from quality, right? Yes. You know, it's, we'll just find the next customer. We'll market more. We'll put more ads yep. online. We'll send more mail, whatever it is. But then when you get the chance to do the job, are you're really doing the best job. Right. Yep. And and I think quality always speaks for itself when you can get customers in your ecosystem.
1: That's so. what we've done, you know, small, slow, steady growth. And it's just been, you know, we've loved it. It's been fun. And yeah, we build that rapport and relationship with people. They trust us. And then that's, I mean, that's what our whole entire business is built on.
0: Good stuff. Well, Cody, I appreciate you, everybody. Cody Miller today, um, the Menlo Group commercial, uh, very specialized business. So uh, thanks for your time today. We greatly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bye, Matt. Thank you for listening to another episode of Tax Alpha Solutions brought to you by Matt Chansey. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and insight. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts.